everyone. Hello and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday where we talk to friends, family, sometimes strangers, a lot of clients so far about how they have failed in their life and how they have used that failure to become better at their jobs, better within their family, or just better people in general. And today we have a special guest. She actually was not planned, but I'm honored to have her here. Her name is Alexia Sams. Oh, did I fuck it up? Elexius. <laughs> Elexius. Sam, not Sams, Sam. She is a personal trainer and wine connoisseur, but she is also monogamously fucking my brother. And this is important. <laughs> it's a little more serious than that. Um, they live together here in Jacksonville. They moved here recently together, and this is a big deal. And I don't know if you know this, but this is the first time I have ever befriended. I feel like we're friends now, right? We're getting that. No, I was kidding. Yeah, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, yeah, we're friends. Uh, with one of his girlfriends, because they've usually been just hot messes of relationships. So this is a big step, and I'm super excited um, to have her. So Lexi, why don't you, I'm calling her Lexi because I don't want to fuck up her name the entire time. <laughs> I will try. She does prefer Elexius, so I'll, I'll try. Uh, Elexius, why don't you tell us about how you became a personal trainer, how you came into that industry? Well, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having Hi. me for the introduction. Um, well, when I was in high school, I played basketball. So, I, and my brother did also. And we always just were a sports family. And then my senior year of high school, it kind of all ties in together. I got depressed my senior year of high school, um, quit the basketball team, and kind of just lived. Didn't, didn't really do anything or have any focus that year. And then when it was time to graduate, I didn't want to go straight to college because I felt like I wasn't ready mentally. So I started working and then by that time I gained 30 pounds from me being depressed. Started working, started working out and then fell in love with working out and then started reading and then I eventually got certified and now I'm here. How, draw a parallel for me or I guess a perpendicular of how you went from personal trainer or learning to love working out and then wine connoisseur because that's a very fascinating <laughs> and weird combination well my first training job was actually at LA Fitness did not like it that much but that was my first training job from there I met my past boss not my boss now but met my boss there he picked me up from LA Fitness and started working with him training for him and then COVID happened <laughs> And then randomly, I was like, I moved out the same month COVID happened from my mom's house. So had this new apartment, COVID happened, and I realized I needed to get a second job. So then I was like, didn't know really what I wanted to do for a second job. So I randomly applied to this specialty wine store and they hired me and from then I started learning. And then I started realizing how much I love wine. So then I dove deeper into that. So you didn't like wine before you started working there? I did like wine, but it was just like, oh, I like red wine, I like cabs. And then I actually started learning about the grapes, the vines, the soil, where it all comes from. So do you believe in the saying that wine is a learned love or did you always like wine? Um, I think I appreciate it more now. Like I won't go in and buy some cheap, nasty rosé the way I would used to drink before I actually cared about it. Because some people don't have a wine palate. Some people can't taste the difference, but I taste the difference. Different yeah, regions, I know. different wines. I've drank wine with you before and you're like, oh, this one's a little bit like, taste the wood. And I'm like- Yeah, some people don't oh. have that, so. <laughs> I don't think I have it. I hate all wine. Yeah. I drink it to look professional. Same with golf. Yeah, I love it. I'll drink that's, it every day if I could, but. I feel like you do drink it every day. She has a problem. <laughs> No, she doesn't. I'm joking. Um, okay, well, I want to speak a little bit more to that depression. Is that something that you're prone to? Um, a simple answer, I would say yes. But it was kind of 
I mean, I grew up with obstacles, like family-wise, so I didn't really like think about all that stuff though when I was a child before my senior year of high school. I was just going through life, playing basketball, and my mind never drifted to like any negativity, really. Like I was, had a lot of friends, played basketball, did a lot of activities, whatever. And then randomly, one day I woke up and I was just like, didn't feel good. Like I just didn't feel good one day. And then it just oh. got worse from there. So it never really was like an, uh, like an occurring thing. It just kind of happened to me one day and then just something set it off and it just kept rolling from there. Do you feel like maybe basketball was something that you hid behind? Maybe hiding's not the best word, but like distracted you to distract yourself from it? Um, I want to say no, because I know it sounds crazy, but before I actually realized that something was wrong with me, I was like, I was very happy. There was, no, there was nothing wrong with me. I, I was very happy. Um, but then I feel like a switch went off and it was kind of just like, I don't really like doing any of the things that I'm doing. Like I, I really, it was just like a huge switch went off and I hated everything. I didn't really care. I was like, I won't live to see 22, blah, blah, blah. So it was just like a- Damn. It just, and I also didn't know um, how to address it because I was like such an outgoing person. So like, I never want to bring sadness onto people. So I didn't know how to address it or how to tell people. So there was a, the first year that I was depressed, I didn't tell anyone. And then I would come home, cry, go out, I thought I was fine. And then I remember one day crying after uh, like a, a party, one of my friends party. And then everyone, well, some of my friends found out and then realized I need to tell my mom, then I told her, and then it was like a, a long, long, dirty, long talk. So you knew that something was wrong though? I knew something's wrong because I, in the inside, I am always happy. There's, I don't really get mad or angry or really upset. And I was just so angry. I would freak out on people. I would freak out on my mom. I hated doing everything. I had no motivation. I almost flunked out of my senior year. Like I just did not care. And it was just like me realizing I, I don't really know who I am or like what's going on. Like I it was that. very uncomfortable. Do you feel like your depression is, and I know nothing about this. That's why I'm asking these types of questions. Cause it's, it's truly very, it's fascinating to me. Do you feel like it was your depression, because it sounds like that was your first episode. I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. but I'm not gonna use it. Um, was it triggered by an event or was it, you used the word light switch. Was there something that flipped the light switch or was it chemical and you were just like, whoa, like you felt a wave of sadness? Um, I, I might've, I really don't know. I might've, ha I've, I've tried to go back and try to figure out what kind of set it off but I feel like it was, I, at that time in my life, I was going through a lot of changes. Um, my sister was gone. So it was, I have three, two siblings. I have a brother and an older sister. Um, and they both were just out of the house by that time. So it was just me and my mom. And my dad, we don't, I don't know my dad like at all. We left him when I was three years old. So I feel like I started thinking about him also and like wondering what my life could have been like if we didn't leave California because of him. And I feel like I was just, and then my mind caught up. We were also going through a lot of family stuff, like very hard, almost traumatizing family things that like a person of that, how old I was, like it was way too much for me to handle at that time. So I think that's, where it sparked it, and then what kind of kept it going for how long it did. So when you were a senior in high school, that's when? Um, going into senior year, so the summer, going 
going into senior year is when it started. And then it lasted heavily um, that year, senior year. And then when I graduated, I kind of flipped it around. Okay. Is mental health and therapy something that was discussed in your social groups or at your home at any point? Um, no, because my dad was addicted to drugs and alcohol. So my mom, in a sense, pretty much everyone that I know in my family, in a sense, were like, drugs are bad. Like, even things that are prescribed to you, like, they're addicting. So it was never like, Summer. I want you... Yeah, but it was never like, I want you to go see a therapist to see like if a pill will help you. It was never talked about. Therapy was like, okay. It was, but I was never pushed to go into those things. I, when I first, I did take uh, anxiety medicine. I got prescribed um, like two, three years after it first started, but it oh, was a wild. huge, it was a huge, because I had to do it myself. It was a huge, uh, <sighs> I had to persuade my mom to understand why I was taking these drugs because she, like, I got my own health care and then started seeing my own therapist, paid for it all myself, and then tried to convince my mom that they're actually helping me um, and that something was like I was that bad to where I needed that, to where I didn't feel normal. Um, and I had to tell her that it's like, I'm not gonna take these forever, but I need to, I need something to help me out. <laughs> well, even if like you can go see a therapist, a psychiatrist is who prescribes you, but if you would have, yeah. was your mom against therapy? Was she assuming that if you went to therapy that meant you had to take medicine? It was just like, you're fine. Like she didn't know yeah. how bad it was. Um, and then for me to say, oh, I need help, it's like, go for a walk or like, just kind of brush off the topic. And then there's this one time where I told her like, no, I need help. Like, I feel the like whole that's brush it off, like it's, it's not gonna, like, oh, you're fine. Like, like, no, I'm not fine. I feel that, I feel that. My mom was, I mean, yeah. I'm sure she'll see this. It's not a dig at you, mom. But there was definitely instances growing up where it was like, I feel sick. Here's a here's some oil of oregano. I'm like, bitch, take me to the fucking doctor. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I mean, I, I was that. also a teenager, so like, I would freak out on my mom, and like, I don't I don't cuss at my mom. I would cuss at her, cuss her out, and she just thought I was being a bitch, you know. And it was, I just couldn't control the feelings that I was having. So yeah, no, I mean, I I. I feel like there was only one time in my life where I can truly say that I was depressed and it was definitely due to an external factor in college. But I, yeah. it's hard for me to imagine because during that point, I was so low, so low. I couldn't imagine having to deal with that on a recurring basis. Like having actual depression that lasts, comes back, rears its head. Yeah. It's so hard to describe to people that never felt that. I've, how would you describe depression to someone who does not know what depression is? Or has never felt it? Um, I would, well, what I had, I feel like it was kind of like a loss of identity, I feel. Like I, you're just, I mean, you're just sad for no reason, um, but that, that doesn't feel like, no. It, you, there's reasons for it, but like something will set it off. You, you can have a good day and your entire day you're fine, but then something will trigger you and you're just in depressed mode. So I just feel like it's, you don't really have control over what you're feeling. So it's like, or how sad you are. So it's like, I'm so sad in this moment, you know, and I can't fight what my mind's telling me or how I feel. Like it's too heavy of an energy to fight myself. So it's like, you're just kind of trapped in that moment. And people are like, oh, you're sad. Like do something like to make you happy. It just, there's no care or your mind's it's hard just to, like- It's hard to, to explain. 
It's hard yeah. to explain, yeah. It's really hard to explain. I remember... I still can't even... Well, I, I still can't even look back at how depressed I was and believe all the things that I put myself through. It's still, like, mind-blowing to me. I try not to think about my situation. Yeah. I obviously don't know, and this is the first time I'm hearing about any of this with her. So, how exclusive. Um, but how I would describe it is feeling like there is a very heavy wool blanket on your back. And for some reason, when I was in really deep throes of it, I would sweat. That's why I'm using the wool blanket. But also, it just felt like I constantly was shrugged over like this and I couldn't stand up straight. I physically could. And when I did, and I would make myself take really deep breaths, I'd feel a little bit better. But if I, as soon as I stopped paying attention, I would immediately go back like this. And it just felt like there was a pit in my stomach all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly all the time. But did you have panic attacks also or was it Yes. Different? I would have panic attacks, but in like the weirdest places. Like it was never, I never got yeah. a panic attack when I was alone or in the shower or in my bedroom, which would probably would have been still as scary, but it was always in places where you add in the anxiety of, oh my God, I'm around people. Oh yeah, no, I cannot handle that. <laughs> so like I had, I had two. One was in one of my lectures. It was one of those lectures at FSU where there was like 250 people. And I was in one of the middle seats in the center row. So I had to, I sweat when I get nervous and I was profusely sweating and hyperventilating and just sobbing and not like a quiet sob, like an awkward, like the whole room, like the professor stopped lecturing, was like, are you okay? Do you need us to call someone? And that made it so much worse. That was terrible. And I literally, I I don't even remember. I feel like I blacked out. I somehow made it outside of the classroom and just sat on the floor. What what was your panic attack like? What was yours like? (laughs) So I've had like, uh, so I, I was depressed for a while and then you mix in my anxiety and my anxiety has gotten worse. Well, it did get worse over the years. Once I got introduced to how bad my anxiety was, my panic attacks started happening. Um, so I think I've had, I've had a few. I've had <laughs> like more than six, two. Maybe. Okay. More than more than two for sure. Um, and they've usually all been when I was alone. So for some reason. I would get into these, I'd be doing whatever I'm doing, watching TV, reading, doing nothing, whatever. I would randomly get, my brain would just shut off. And I would just cry. Like, at random times, I would start shaking. And I would cry. And I would always sit on the floor for some reason. I think I felt safe on the floor. So I would sit Mm -hmm. on the floor in corners or in a closet. But it would just, I, I, in the beginning, I didn't know how to control and to calm down. So I would get more worked up, like, as this was happening. Um, so I would start crying more. And then I would kind of freak out. So I'd be freaking out. I'd be shaking and feeling like I can't breathe. Breathing's a big one. I feel like I was actually Gosh. dying. Um, and then sometimes I would destroy things. But being like huh. bawling, like crying, like bawling. <laughs> That's yeah. interesting. I've never, I never yeah. destroyed things. I was usually just trying to figure out because it literally feels like your heart starts racing. It feels like something's about to happen. Yeah. Inside of you. I feel like I, I, would, I would destroy just... things after that feeling would come to try to release that feeling. Like there was no way for me to calm down. So like that was like what I would do to release what was going on <laughs> i'd be curious if any of you guys watching this have had a panic attack how, what tools you use to calm yourself down for me i mean i feel like i've talked about this in so many different episodes but breathing like really deep breaths was the only thing yeah. to help it pass but also in the in the peak of a panic attack like it's like when you're working out and you're really tired it's really hard to like breathe through your nose and breathe out of your mouth yeah. like it's 
hard to get through that part. But I'd be curious to hear other people's tools because a lot of people get panic attacks. I've never really oh, yeah. heard someone give good advice on how to make them stop quicker. I don't know. But we're getting off like track. Breathing, yeah. It's all you. What? Man. What? I know. My bad. I didn't know that about you. Now I have so many questions. Um, mm-hmm. Give us, give us a failure, Lexi. Give us a failure to use as the heart of this episode. I would have to say almost flunking out of senior year was my biggest failure. Um, Cause yeah, whatever, I was depressed, all that stuff was going on, but I, I just feel like I, it was just a really bad time in my life. So like it was bad. I was sitting, when there's a test in front of me, I would just sit there like to the point where I just genuinely didn't care. Uh, I feel like that was one of my biggest failures, maybe. What, what was, was this just because of your depression? Um, yeah, but I also was kind of in a mindset where I was like, I don't care, I'm going, I'm not going to be alive in a few years, so like, I don't really care. (laughs) Okay, so you had the mindset of like, what is the purpose of this? Yeah. Okay. And this was before you had told anyone? Yes. So, no one inside of your circle realized something was wrong? No. Excuse me, I just burped. That freaked me. Um, that's really interesting. Did you have really close friends that were, yeah. you know, close by? Um, yeah, so my high school is very clicky. So I have, I still talk to the same friends I had then. Um, we were very close. Uh, but again, I was always like the life of the party. So whatever inside me couldn't bring anything to the surface whatsoever. And I was almost embarrassed because I didn't know how to deal with it really or why it was happening. So I couldn't really explain it. So I just would pretend like I was fine. And then I think that's also probably what made it worse. I would just go home and then let it all out. So when you were taking things out on your mom, she didn't notice a difference in your behavior? Um, she did. I would, she would just call me a bitch or be like, you're acting crazy. Just kind of brush it off in that sense. Very chill, not like, oh, something's wrong with her. Like she'll say something's wrong with me, but it would usually lead to fighting. It was never like, oh, you need help, but like in a serious sense. And it took you, you said, a year to finally go to her and be like, what made you finally go to your mom and say something, I need help? Like, what happened? Um, It got to the point where I was self-harming and I got to a point where I was actually scared. Like, I was genuinely just afraid of myself and like living in my body so I I got to a point where I was just scared that I just couldn't handle it anymore um and then like I said a week before I actually told her some of my friends found out um and I kind of had a panic attack in front of them and they kind of saw how bad it was and were like you should probably tell your mom like that was kind of (laughs) crazy so uh, would you have told your mom if they hadn't seen you have a panic attack? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was around the time where it was getting really bad. And I would have, before, I would have never let that happen. Like, I could always control it until I got somewhere alone. Um, and it was just another reason to do it, like, quicker, I guess. During your depression, did you ever have, because I did, but obviously depression looks different on who's ever wearing it. Um, yeah. I would be in the throes of like a really a, a low, but then there would be like a part of me who wasn't experience that, experiencing that low and be like, wow, this is fucking scary. Like, you, yeah. this has never happened. Like, did you have that too? I don't know what the word is it's, for that. Um, there's a couple of different words depending on like more details, but I would describe mine as having like an out of body experience. Um, 
Because I, I could be having an episode and like crying, doing whatever, and having, feeling all these those emotions, and then there's a voice on the other side of my head that's like, wow, you're insane. <laughs> like, you're... Yeah. Like, you're crazy. You know, it was like... Just something tell like something that's just calm, cool, collected as I'm freaking out. And it's yeah, just like, no, it's crazy. I I vividly yeah. remember that moment because I remember wanting to. I don't. I feel this is gonna be hard to explain. I forgot who told me this or where I read it, but if you're experiencing pain, to really focus on that pain and feel it, and it will feel less painful. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when I was going through a, a low, I would sit there and try to really feel like, where was it coming from? Was it coming from my stomach? Was it coming from my head? Like, where did I feel the most lowness? And that was when I heard that voice. And I remember thinking, okay, which one is me? Is it that voice or is yeah. it the person that's on the floor crying? And then I realized that the voice was the one asking that question and I was like, okay, so that must be me and this must be something I'm just going through. Yeah, I mean, that's what also, like, helped me come to realize that I'm not crazy and there's just a switch or something literally just wrong with my brain, you know, like... For sure. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? So I feel like that was, that's, like, a good like connection on how that feels like it, you just kind of there's you and then there's you feeling bad and like in that panic attack you know like your well, brain guess... is telling you like certain things but you're at like oh it's so hard to explain it's but it's not <laughs> I think you're doing a really good job I I think I want to say again not a psychiatrist but I want to say that that's your consciousness yeah, but it's, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, I also agree. I feel like it's your consciousness, but it's very like that's crazy. You. Yeah, it's very crazy how you could be feeling one thing and then there's just a voice that's right there. Yeah. That's like not, you know what I mean? Like there's, uh, ooh, it's really hard to explain. No, but I think you're doing like, a good job. This is actually, I just wrote, read, wrote, did not write it. I read a book on it, and I'll have Weston link it. It was actually recommended by um, a girl named Victoria Treadwell, and it was really good at defining the self and separating that from external factors. I'll have to have him, him link that. But okay, at what point in your depression did self-harming start? Um... My senior year was kind of crazy with the events that happened in my family. Um, so there was a specific time I remember my first time trying it, which is, um, I feel like it was probably like midway through senior year, like halfway through senior year. Um, so probably like a year and a half after everything first started. How did you know to try it? Did you like Google it? No, so um, I'm not really sure. Like, obviously I'm a senior in high school at this point, I've heard of cutting, I know what it is, whatever. Uh -huh. um, and I was just, at the time I was living in a motel and I was in high school and I was alone. Um, something was going on with my mom and it was just a really crazy bad night for me. So I was in this motel, I was drinking by myself and I just started freaking out. So I was having an episode, I was crying, I was kind of just numb and I had, I would explain it like there's so many emotions and so many feelings in your body that's so overwhelming that I feel like I'm gonna pop. So at that time, for some reason, like I said, I feel like you're out of body at this point. So if, like, I'm just kinda just numb to what was going on. I just got something and I uh, just started doing it. 
and it, I felt like it released all the things that were inside of me, making me sad. How crazy that sounds! It doesn't. Um, it it's was, it's very it common like, amongst depression. Yeah, it was the only thing in that time, at that certain moment, whenever I did it, that could release all those feelings that were like felt like I was gonna explode almost. So that's kind of when it started. I read um, I read a book on this when I was thirteen. That should tell you something. Um, I read that it, it can become addictive. Oh, yeah. Because at that point, there was nothing I knew. Like, I, there, I didn't know how to do anything to calm myself down when I was having those things. And then once I found that, it was just a release. And then, mind you, I also hated myself in a certain time. So I didn't really care about, like really anything so like being able to do that and feel the release it was almost like I want to whenever I felt after that it was like if I feel those crazy emotions I know exactly what to do and it will just kind of release what I'm feeling which were like so heavy I feel like cutting I'm not condoning cutting I don't want you to message me and say that like oh my god you told people to cut themselves but like People cope with depression, with trauma in so many different ways. I don't see a huge difference other than the stigma between cutting and going and getting a tattoo or going and uh, smoking crack or doing other types of drugs to cope with. I just, it's a coping mechanism. I feel like it has a much more uh, judge, judgy stigma. So even, than even drugs, I feel like, because. I mean, the book I was reading was nonfiction when um, I was reading this book, but I remember reading it and being like, I get it. Like, that just makes so much sense. Like, you're built yeah. up and it's a release. It also, I also understand that it's, it's addictive. It's the same thing as, like, t- tattoos, right? It's pain. Yeah. So I think that um, that's a terrible thing to have to go through also because of the stigma. Because, like, you can't feel, you don't feel like you can tell someone. Yeah, like I wore long sleeves for as long as I... <laughs> How did your friends find out? Um, that I was cutting? Yeah. Um, I mean, we had sleepovers still. And like I said, we were very close. And I just, one day, I, I was didn't have a long sleeve shirt on. Uh, or I did, and I think we were like going to sleep or something. And the next day, they uh, told me, like, I, like we saw them when you were sleeping. And just kind of like confronted me about it, very confrontational. I mean, how so, often yeah. were you were you doing it? Like, was it obvious if you were to have your sleeve up? Um, when I first started doing it, yes, because I probably only did it maybe four times. Um, and those times were very close together, so they're okay. very noticeable. Um, and then whatever after the fourth time, I just stopped doing it. Uh, after it got crazy noticeable, I still like had to, you know, I had siblings, I still went to school, still had all these things I had to show up for. So I realized how bad my arm looked and I just stopped. Well, that's good. Did it, yeah, didn't feel like I needed it anymore in that time. Okay, so you stopped on your own. I did. Um, and I actually. I actually tried to do it again after I stopped, uh, a very long period after I stopped. Um, kind of the first time, after I got over my depression, the first time it kind of came back, I tried to do it again and it didn't work for me. Oh, wow. Like, I was scared to even put something, like, touching my skin. Just Were you work. on medication at that point? Um, no, I wasn't. So how long after the onset of your depression did you start medication? Mm. Well, I got medication for my anxiety. Oh. So I never got medication for depression. Still? Um, still to this day. I've only gotten wow. medication for anxiety. Um. And this was, I mean, I just, it it never 
came to the point where it was, we're gonna go get you checked out and then get you on these drugs. And I was also very young. Well, I was in high school, so I was still living with my mom and it was just, we were never gonna do that. Um, it was just kinda, you'll figure it out type of thing. So never ever took depression drugs. And then a couple years after, probably a year or two after I graduated um, high school, I got on anxiety medicine. Went by myself, got it all checked out. Is anxiety usually correlated with depression? It is, yeah. Okay. Usually, usually ties hand in hand, but I mean, it's not, everyone's not the same, but usually it is. So say. does your anxiety medication help treat the depression? Um, it would, uh, because I was just, I, I called it a happy drug. <laughs> that was my nickname for what I was on. Cause I would just, I would take it when I woke up or before I went to sleep and I would go about my day just always anxious. And I feel like certain things would make me, my anxiety spike. And then I feel like some days my depression would be there and it would just, they were just so bad together. I feel like, so if I could calm down in a certain sense and actually get my thoughts and gather them and do something with them, I wouldn't have to like, be so sad anymore. And around that time, I was kind of over my depression. You were sick of it. Yeah, it was, I, luckily I got over it, I would say, the beginning of the huge hurdle by myself. Cause it was kind of like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I was just so tired of feeling, of being that person, so tired. So that's interesting. You feel like treating your anxiety and getting that under control was allowed you to be strong enough to deal with your depression proactively without medication. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. I had never heard it posed like that before. What advice would you give the version of yourself at the peak of your struggling? Something that could help someone else going through this maybe for the first time. Um, probably the peak of my struggle. See, I I, I feel like this is a, a crazy question for me because I I like hard advice. So I feel like um, I want hard advice. I want something I people like can actually apply. My, I feel like I would tell myself like. <laughs> Just get over it. Like, well, that's not that. I know, but like, I feel like there's. <laughs> I, let me let me phrase this a better way. Um, <laughs> um, like, it could always be worse, and there's no one's gonna do it for you. You know what I mean? Like, if you're if if I'm struggling in my peak of my struggle, you're just kind of sitting in it and missing it and letting it happen but like taking the step to get better no one's gonna do it except for you so no one's gonna like you gotta do everything yourself i feel like that's the advice just no i feel that because i have just do it like <laughs> i feel but i feel like you have to get to that point before you can take action like in every yeah. event in my life that has been traumatic or a struggle I have had to get to a point, and that point's gonna look different for every single person. But it, you get to a point where the feelings are still there, but you're just, you're fed up with yourself. You're fed up yeah. with feeling pathetic. So, I mean, using my experience, which was in light of what you're saying, not near as serious, I feel like some really good advice would be to not feel bad if you're not at that point yet, but yeah. know that it has to come, right? I, yeah, I compare it, so my, mine was a physically abusive, a physically, mentally, sexually abusive relationship, right? And I just kept letting it happen. I kept going back over and over. Everyone around me was sick of it. They were sick of hearing about it. They were sick of watching it. They were sick of calling the cops. It just kept happening. And it got to a point where I literally went, 
I didn't even tell my parents. I went to the study abroad admissions office, skipped class all day. And I was just like, you know what? I need to leave the country and remove myself mm. from the situation so that I can heal and just get yeah. out of here. Like, that's what I had to do. I had to get to that point. And I think people need to give other people going through trauma like that the grace to know and to pray and to hope that they get to that point before it's too late. Because the truth yeah. is, Alexius, that you could have gotten to, you could have not made it, right? You could yeah. have never gotten to that point. And that's just, that's just the sad reality of it. But yeah, I think just giving yourself grace and knowing, all right, at some point, I'm gonna get to the point where I'm gonna get the fuck up and go get help. Yeah, and you're once gonna you know. get there, it's still hard to do it. You're at a point yeah, and you're like, I, you gotta get that wall. I gotta do something. Now it's like, let me actually do it. <laughs> and like, keep going so, in the sense. So let's say someone else is watching this and maybe they just started to self-harm. What advice would you give that person that's not you? Um, or they're considering it. Maybe they're Googling it. I would say try to find another way to deal with the emotions that you feel like you can't control. Or that's this is your time to where you need to speak to someone or tell someone that you're having these feelings. Because um, I know for some people, it can get a lot worse. Like, I only did it a little bit, but like, it can get very addicting. Um, and then, I mean, you can start doing other things, even worse than just a simple, just not simple, but cutting. I feel like if you're at that point and you're wondering about it, and you're wanting to start it, just don't get into it. What do you think is a proactive outlet that gives a similar, maybe not the same, but a similar release? Screaming. <laughs> I think that's a great one. <laughs> Screaming, um, a, something to grip. I would say like one of those hard things to squeeze on because it's a lot of pressure. One of those maybe. Um, I would angry write once I, that was one of my big things. Ooh, that's a just, good one. I would angry write and I did that for a very long time and that helps me a lot. Whenever I felt like I was just going crazy or like, there's emotions in me that I couldn't control. I would sit down, just like whatever pen and paper I had and just, just start writing. Whatever I was feeling, cuss words, scribble. Like, I think angry writing was very, a very big outlet for me. I used for a while because I needed the, I, the pain aspect, like that helps me a lot. Um, I didn't progress to cutting, but what I would do, and I'm not saying this is healthy, so you might still want to talk to a doctor. No, it's not a mite. You definitely still need to talk to a doctor. But um, I would wear a rubber band, like one of those thick ones. Like they're like oh, this would thick, you like The ones that are red, and I would just, I would pop myself. And I'd get bruises, one. but I mean, it's not like, I felt like that was better than what I could be doing. And yeah. it gave me that same, the pain. No, that's a really good one. I watched a video a long time ago and there was this guy that had a disorder. Um, I forgot what it was, but he would have like panic attacks. And when he felt the feeling of having one, he would start flicking Ooh. his rubber band. And there was like, I forgot what it was, but I think it was like a documentary or like one of those random like e-shows on TV and about like his life. And whenever he would feel bad, he would just wear it and just start that's a good one. I never thought about it for anxiety. Um, I would yeah. do it for like when I would start to have really bad thoughts or like revisit trauma and I would, I needed to snap out of it. It was like when breathing just didn't, wasn't working Yeah. because like that's a breathing's, really a, breathing's a really great exercise, but it's like not all the time do you want to take 10 deep breaths, four seconds <laughs> in, four seconds out. You just and need to snap the fuck out of it. It's yeah. so <laughs> annoying. So the rubber band helped me a lot with that. But again, it's still pain. So I don't, please don't message me yeah. and freak out on me. But, but it, it worked for me. Um, angry writing is a really good one. I don't angry write, I sad write. Like when I'm really sad, 
not depressed, sad, but like when someone pisses me off, like at work, I'm really stressed right now. And I just sit there and I write out why I'm stressed. And then by the time I'm two paragraphs in, I'm like, okay, it's really not that serious, Kendall. I think writing helps with a lot of feelings. For Um, sure. Even if you don't know what to write, just like get a pen and like your thoughts will write themselves. One thing I really wish I got into was like punching things, like not walls, but like a punching bag. I feel like that would. I mean, that's why I like lifting. (laughs) That's why I started lifting. To deal with Uh, anger and depression. Yeah, Uh, lifting is a very big let go for me. Um, I mean, obviously, all the benefits that come with working out, uh, but just being able to. You know, push things, throw things, lift heavy things, the whole aspect, very releasing. I bet ball slams would be fun. Oh, yeah. So we've given you a lot of tools, so that was really great. How has your depression, and I and I don't want to speak about your depression like it's gone because it's never going to be gone. Same with your anxiety. Yeah. Um, I personally have not had to deal with depression. I still have anxiety, but I, I really believe that everybody has a certain degree of anxiety. Oh yeah. Some people, de- but like I, like I would never take anxiety medication. I just, I just deal with it. I'm not saying you have to deal with it, but I just deal yeah. with it. Um, how do you think your depression has made you a better person? How did you take that experience and fail forward? Um. I got to a point where I was starting to feel better and I guess like I can look back thankfully and see how low I was um, and just know that I never want to revisit that ever again. So as long as I keep going forward um, and keep doing things that heal me basically, I'll never have to revisit as bad as it was like nobody ever once I got out of that I I feel like it taught me kindness um I like helping people it taught me that I like helping people it taught me really just how to love I feel like I'm a very loving person uh was that something you were not is that something you were not good at before though um I mean, on the surface, it was fine, but I feel like a deeper, deeper connection. Like, I really, I mean, life is, I guess you could say simple. I just want to be happy and love and just inspire people. And that's why I like working out in personal training because you get all kinds of people. um, And you can see, I'm just changing a life. I feel like I like, it just helped me overall be a better person, I feel like. That's so broad, Lexi. It's so broad. <laughs> Specifically, um, it made you appreciate that stuff more than you did before? Yeah, I would say that it made me appreciate the little things and it made me appreciate just this is such a Oh, no, restart the question. Restart the question. Tell me the question again. (laughs) The question was, how did your depression, how did your walk with the lowest of the lows of your mental health improve you as a personal trainer, as a daughter, as a sibling, as a companion to my brother? Like, what specific characteristics positively came from that experience? And if there's none, you can say that. I mean, yeah, it's pretty broad, but I feel like I either have done or it just kind of taught me how to fight and how to just That's a good one. Forward. It's very broad, but just how to fight and how to... For yourself. ...and get out of... Yeah. Uh, it gave me a lot of mental clarity that I don't think I had before. Um, mm. I think before... I was actually depressed. I wasn't really thinking about deeper things in life. It was very just on the surface about every single thing. Um, that makes sense now. It's all, now I feel like I 
learned about the small moments and how to appreciate them more and just how to love and love deeply than what I did before and how I was before. Um, I feel like I'm a very, now, before then, I, I don't think I was very open and honest and like vulnerable. And after that, that's like, that's what it taught me how to be. That's a huge one, being vulnerable. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, I would say that's one of my strengths, but that came after my experience with, with my ex. Like I, I, yeah. my experience with depression taught me how to, it, whew, it humbled the fuck out of me. Like, let me yeah. tell you, that is a humbling experience. Um, it also made me incredibly self-aware, incredibly yeah. self-aware. Like I am so real with myself that sometimes it's scary like i will call myself out on bullshit before i call anyone else on bullshit but that's also why i have such high standards for the people around me because if i can be accountable and call myself out i expect you to be at least half have at least half of that yeah. ability i feel like i definitely know myself to a deeper level yes than what i did before i was um, on a podcast last night and we talked about this so this is good yeah i definitely feel like i was I'm in such, I know like what ticks me, how to calm myself down, just like the things I think about, like there's just so much that I've learned from, about myself from before. I feel like I just didn't even realize that, I just, I just didn't think a lot about, I honestly just didn't think about a lot about just like myself and my thoughts and everything i'm just kind of going through the motions well you're you're learning about yourself you're and that's i think a lifelong relationship but yeah. being able to be intentional with dating yourself and learning about your learning all the different versions of yourself um, is so important because you should never trust a person that is naked that tries to give you a shirt I heard that yesterday. I don't know where or who. I read it probably in probably a meme somewhere. But I really liked it yeah. because like you cannot one. give out if you have not given in. Is kind of how yeah. I, how I read that. Um, and these types of experiences are how you learn who you are, and they're so important for growth. I am curious um, because I'm drawing. I'm trying to draw parallels between my experience and yours. Because for the first time, I'm talking to someone about this at this level, and it's interesting how many similarities there are. Did it? Did your experience, because mine also, uh, my mom was a main character in this trauma, and it, it's still something that I struggle with because she did not handle it the way I wish she would have handled it, and it's an ongoing thing that I'll have to work my entire life to process, and I'm sure the same with you. Did it make the relationship with you and your mom closer? Or like farther after apart. She found out. Yeah, how she handled it, how she coped with it, because you know she's imperfect too. She did. She probably yeah. has never experienced something like this before. Um, I love my mom, <laughs> but so I do I. We're just being real. Definitely love moms, but definitely did not have a lot of support. I would feel like. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was all just like, you can calm down. It was all just me, a big persuading game, trying to persuade my mom that I cannot control what's going on inside of me. And this is as bad as it can be in this moment. Um, and I think she never really understood yeah. What I went through, uh, to a certain sense. I remember um, when I came back from school, I wrote her a letter one day. Ooh, and that never goes her, well. Um, well, I just kind of told her everything that I fought with when I was alone. Um, and kind of told her so she can understand how bad it was. Also, during the time it was happening, my mom we were going through a lot with our family. So she would always think that it was because of her or because of what we were going through. And I didn't want to sit with those feelings of 
having my mom feel that way when it's like I actually can't tell you what's wrong with me. And so it was a big confusing thing. Um, but once I started talking about her, talking about it more with her, uh, as it went on, she kind of understood and she was just, she was just there for whatever I needed, honestly. If I would be open about it, but I mean, she didn't really understand, honestly. Right, I think a part of the healing process is understanding that the people around you don't have the answers any more than you do. And I think yeah. naturally as humans, we look for someone to blame other than ourselves. It's just like a natural reaction to, to not to be accountable and take responsibility for things. So it's initially, I put so much blame on my mom. And now after processing it and going to therapy, I realized that she was no more equipped to deal with what I was going through than she didn't have the resources either. So I was yeah. putting blame on someone who I, you can't you can't blame them for not knowing how to deal with something like this. But it was their first time. You're also at a too. point where it's like you're also at a point where it's like I can't even understand what's going on with me. So it's going to be hell right. trying to explain it to you. So they only get so much, you know what I mean? When it's actually going on, you only they only get what you give them and how much they understand is exactly what you've told them. Um, so I just feel like it's, it's very confusing if you've, my mom, to my knowledge, has never experienced to the depth of what I've experienced. Um, and none of my siblings did either. So right. it was one of her first huge thing of like mental, mental illness health. that she had to deal with. So it was... I mean, we were just learning about it as we went. So it was very just a confusing. And you understand that yeah. and that's powerful. So I think yeah. for people that are watching this that maybe are still struggling to forgive someone in your life that you feel like could have done better or could have done more, I think it's important to maybe even write it down, take time to try to remove the emotion from the situation and become the perspective of, of what that other person, would, how they would have perceived the situation and giving them grace. It's hard. I'll, I will probably have to work on that the rest of my life. It, but it's, as it's, and it's easier now that I have kids and I realize like, oh, I look at my mom and dad, not, I mean, they're still mom and dad, but I don't look at them under the, the veil of parenthood. I look at them as, oh, you were two imperfect people who had no idea what the fuck you were doing and you were just doing your best. But it's You're so doing much easier than hating or having negative feelings. For sure. Someone. Some people, like, I'm thankful that I know that I can put myself in someone else's shoes before I have a huge conflict with them. Like, I'm very open. I can understand and listen very well. So it's like, there's, put yourself in someone else's shoes, your whole mind set will change about the conflict that's going on. You hear that all the time, though, but it's really a learned art. But to actual, like, to actually do it, and to actually do it, and then make a decision from what you learned in that time while you're in those shoes, like is. I will say, once you get good at doing that, it's really hard to get mad. It is. <laughs> it is. To really it really be angry is. At someone, like, if you're good, if yeah. you truly do it, it's really to hard to get mad. Yeah, it's hard yeah, because it's, it's like, really okay, and, and I do it with, it's also really hard to have a really solid opinion on anything um, yeah. because I've gotten really good at it, but I, the best way to describe it is politics. Like in today's world, people, there's so many people who are polar what right and polar left. And yeah. I will never be able to be polar anything because I've intentionally perfected removing myself from equations and being able to look at things from other people's perspective it is impossible for me to be polar anything. it's such a gift <laughs> it is and i'm so glad yeah, i learned like i literally learn, you know you have to so that's a really good thing for anyone but especially if you yeah. have mental illness and you're struggling with forgiveness which is going to be a part of recovering from any trauma or any anything like um, really getting good at that is so important. Giving yourself grace first 
and then giving the people around you grace. So crucial. Took a lot of counseling to get to that point though. So I preface everything that we have said with get some fucking help. Crazy is the new cool. Everyone has a fucking (laughs) therapist. Just get on the bandwagon. You don't have a therapist. Thank you. I mean, yeah, like, are you even alive? Um, Thank you so much for coming on, doing an impromptu interview. Um, I appreciate you, and I will see you in about 30 seconds because you're just downstairs. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Bye.